Somebody say his name again. Jesus. Yeah, say it again. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so we finish up our series today because Wednesday will be Christmas. <laughs> Think for me for just a moment. What is on your Christmas list? You probably asked your kids if you have them, you wanted them to fill out their Christmas list to let you know what they wanted for Christmas, but I mean, adults, let's be serious. We got a want or two. And we have things that, that we want. And uh, the thing that I, I love so much about our church is, you know, when we started Ember, I said I wanted a church that looked like the grocery store. And we have a church that looks like the grocery store, and it blesses my heart. And I know that in saying that, for a lot of us, Christmas can be a tough time because you don't have the means by which to do a lot of what you'd want to do. And so you, you have more wants than you have uh, ability. And then there's probably some people in the room and you have plenty of ability and buying for you is impossible because you're that person that has everything, right? So we're kind of all together in the, in the room. But I'd like for you to think for just a minute of, of what it is that is on your Christmas list. And as we think about that, I want to ask this question of you. Why is it on there? That's, that's not a question you should take lightly. Why, why is that on your list? Why, why do you want what you want? I, I don't know if we ever ask ourselves that question. We just know we want something, and, and we, we don't sometimes care how we're going to get it. We just want it. But we don't ask ourselves necessarily, why do I want that? And so I started thinking, Brantley and I were talking about this, of the things that they want tell us a lot about ourselves. Sometimes we want things because we think, man, if I get that, it's going to make me happy. I'm convinced that if I get an F-150, like a brand new one now, okay? <laughs> Just in case. That I'd be happy, right? I mean, who can't be happy with a brand new Ford F-150? But, but we want things because we think, if I, if I get this, I'll be, I'll be happy. We, we want things because we think, if, if I get this, it's going like, to make my life better. It'll make my life easier. It'll make my life more convenient. And so I, we, we even move past want. We're like, I need this. Right? Like, I, I, I need, like deep inside, I need this. That it's somehow going to make our our, our our lives better, it's going to make us better, it's going to make us more secure, which brings us back to this age-old thing that all of us have had to deal with, is we're trying to figure out how to control our lives in such a way that we're secure and we think that we're happy. But let me go back up to your list for just a minute, because some of you look like you've had as many Christmases as I have. I've had a few in my day. And... When I look at those things, you know those things that were going to make me happy? Like if I could just get that one thing, it was going to make me happy. How many of you ever got that thing? And then just shortly after, you realize, oh, wait a minute, it didn't do it. it. It didn't do what I thought it was going to do. It didn't, it didn't make me happy. I, I've watched sometimes as kids, you know, they unwrap presents for birthdays or whatever, and there's this whole stack of presents and papers flying everywhere. You ever been to one of those parties? And a little kid gets a present, and as a parent, you put some time and some money and some energy into it, and they look at that and they go, oh. And what do they do? Grab, see, some of y'all been to those parties too, right? 
you might have been that kid. And you, what do you do? You grab for the next thing, right? You don't even take time to really look at that one thing and go, ah, you know? Or, or you get something and you thought, man, that thing will make me happy, that Ford F-150. Oh, it made me happy. But I know that right after Christmas, they would want payments on it. And, and then this thing that was going to make me happy, well, now it makes me sad, right? Isn't, isn't it funny? And, and then this thing that's going to make me feel better. If I just had this thing, then, then obviously it would make me better. I remember as, uh, as a kid, I'm going to show my age here, okay, but Reeboks were coming out. Y'all remember when Reeboks came out? It was them white fluffy ones. They looked like marshmallows. Remember those? Yeah, and, and, and they were for guys, too. But they looked a, now thinking back, I'm like, that wasn't a guy's shoe. But, but anyway, I, I wanted me some Reeboks. And so, you know, I, I, I pressed mom and dad hard for these things. And time kept going on, going on. I didn't get these things. And I thought, man, if I just have some Reeboks, I'll be dressed like everybody else. I'll look like everybody else. It, it'll make me somebody. And finally, I taught my mom into getting me some shoes. And we got those shoes. And I went back to school. Quit laughing at me because you were in my class, wasn't you, Kim? <laughs> You probably remember this. I, I came sporting in my Reeboks, you know, just doing my thing. You know, you know what happened? Reeboks had come and gone. Oh, I was wearing last year's shoes. You ever had that happen? You thought something was going to make you popular or special or make you better, and then you realize that you, you are who you are when you're just stripped down. Nothing. That's who you really are. And you realize that there's nothing you can add to your life in terms of, of hair or makeup or clothes or jewelry or F-150s that's going to make you any different than who you are. And, and you think that things are going to make you better. They're going to make your life better. Man, I, when these smartphones came out, I thought, that thing will make my life better. That I'll be able to put my calendar on there and I won't be able to lose stuff. And I'm like, I got to hand me one of those. I'm like, I, I need one. <laughs> now, look at that. Madison, he's in the back. She's in. Now y'all need them, right? We, we, we need them. Well, I, I got this thing and I found out, and some of you may have found this to be true, that there are times where you think something's going to make your life better and you find out that you had to trade something and what you traded didn't make your life better right? Like that F-150, you traded it for a payment and you realize, ooh, that didn't make my life better. Or you thought, boy, if I get that house, it'll be better. Ooh, but then you traded it for a payment too and then you realize, oh, no, that didn't make my life better. And then I had this phone and what I didn't realize is that when you have this phone on you, you can never really get away. <laughs> right? Like you were accessible all the time. Yeah. And so what I realized was, while it does allow me to not forget as many things, I traded it for something that really doesn't make me happy. Like if you asked me today, Kevin, what do you think about my phone? I would think of it more as like a necessary evil, not as a, a gift. And, and so what we find is that we can never sort of feed the wanter inside of us to where we have enough. And so Wednesday's coming. And I wanted to prepare you so that the day after Christmas or a month later, you're not disappointed. And that you put your trust in something 
that wasn't going to do what you thought you were going to do. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, now, Kevin, I've, I've probably heard that message before. I think I know where you're going. And what I say, this is a message I believe we must teach ourselves and we must teach our children because every time there is an advertisement on anything, it is telling us that if I just have this one more thing, I'm going to be right. It's going to make me happy. And, and what happens is we keep striving after the next thing and we are being led by people who want our money. <laughs> we need to remind ourselves that they don't care anything about us. Those folks that are trying to sell us stuff, they don't love you, right? We need to just break it to ourselves and to our kids. Those people don't love us. They want our money. So what do I want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? <laughs> Can I take us back to something that's elementary in the gospel? A name that we just sang about, which is this. All I want for Christmas, Jesus. Because He's the only thing that can satisfy the longing in my soul. He, he, he's the only one who can provide for me something that is so good that it will never leave me wanting. <laughs> that that, that it, I don't have to trade one good thing for a bad thing. That, that there is no bad. <laughs> there is no darkness. That, that what I need is Jesus. And so for like two weeks, I have been just going along, meditating on this word Jesus. Like wherever I'm at, I'm just like, Jesus. People probably think he's either praying or he's lost his mind. But I'm just like, Jesus. And I, and I try to go to sleep at night saying his name, Jesus. And then when I, I wake up in the middle of the, the night, I, I, I try to get back to that place and just say, Jesus, until I fall back to sleep. Because I don't know if some of y'all remember some of those old songs that we used to sing about Jesus. But a couple of them went like this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. <laughs> it fills my every longing, right? I think the next word keeps me singing as I go. It fills my every longing. What does? Jesus. Yeah. And on another song. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And so I've been meditating on this name of Jesus. And I thought, I said, you know what? I will pull up the names of Jesus and, and I will encourage people. And I still do. To look at the names of Jesus. Do you know how many names there are of Jesus? <laughs> I'm standing here with a paper that, as you can see, has many names and verses. There's well over a hundred names of Jesus in Scripture. Did you know that? A hundred names, and every one of them packs with it a punch of meaning. The names of Jesus. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness. If there was one thing we needed for Christmas, it is probably to know the names of Jesus more. I believe that there are times in our lives that we use the word Jesus, and I'll speak because we've got our youth in here today, and it starts out when we're young. We'll use the word Jesus kind of flippantly. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh Jesus. Oh God. Oh good God. And we use it so casually that I think that in the using it so casually, we forget that there is power in the name of Jesus. Hmm. And that the danger of taking the name casually in our everyday experiences 
is that when it comes time to call upon that name that is above all names, it seems to have lost all of its meaning in us. And I would say that there are people that call out his name all the time because if we get in trouble, if we don't remember him when it was going good, oh, we remember his name when it's going bad. Huh? You might not have said Jesus when it was going good, but just let the wheels fall off and all of a sudden, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And I would say to you that I believe in 2020, if you wanted to do something, it would be this, get familiar with Jesus. Yeah, get, get familiar with all His names. Not just His name, Jesus. In fact, there's a hundred names. A, a child would be right in asking his parents, Mama, why has Jesus got so many names? Why does, he, why does He have so many names? Can you answer that question? Why does Jesus have so many names? Because you see, a name in the Old Testament, you didn't name somebody something because you thought it sounded cool. You named them something because it gave their life meaning and purpose. Moses pulled out of the water. What does Jesus' name mean? What does that name Jesus mean? Do you know? It, it comes from, if you follow it all the way back to the, the Hebrew, it is Yeshua. Sounds a lot like Joshua, doesn't it? Yeshua sounds like Joshua. What does Joshua mean? Joshua was given the name Joshua because the name means saved. Salvation and God called Joshua to save his people. But he's just a, a shadow of what Jesus is. Jesus is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. What does it mean? It means salvation that's why when you don't know what to pray <laughs> and you don't know what words to say and the problems and the difficulties of your life are overwhelming you and you think i don't even know how to pray right now you can say jesus you can say jesus and just start speaking his name jesus 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 because what are you saying save me Save me. Be my salvation. It's an acknowledgement, which most of us probably did. I tried to save myself. Right? How many of you would say that? Like, before I called your name, I called my name. And I said, Kevin, get your act together. <laughs> Kevin, get your junk in order. <laughs> Kevin, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, Kevin, you can do better than that. But then you get to the place where you realize, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't. I, I, I've, I've come too far, gone too far, done too much. I, I can't. And now there's only one name, and that name is? Jesus. Yeah, that's why it says in Matthew 1, 21, She will bear a son, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeah, you see, the first thing he does is he saves us from our sins. And he brings us into a relationship with God. And then we find out that after that, he just keeps saving us. Have any of you been saved by Jesus? Yeah. Have you had your sins washed away? Yeah, but would you say that Jesus didn't fit? He wasn't done with you, wasn't finished there, that he just keeps saving you? 
Like, he is notorious for saving me from myself. Do any of you know what I mean? Yeah, Jonathan and I have this thing where Jonathan, he says, if I could just get out of my way, get out of my own way, and just let Jesus do his thing. He, he saves us from ourselves. He saves us from other people. He saves us from the enemy and all the things that the devil has planned for us. He, he saves us. And so his name is Jesus. He is salvation. There is no other name by which man can be saved. Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that all dogs don't go to heaven? Can I tell you that all roads don't lead to God? There's one road, and it is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the doorkeeper. His name is? Jesus. Yeah, but then let's go on, because he's got some other names I want to talk to you about. In Isaiah 9, 6, it is my favorite prophetic word on Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Here's what it says in Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born unto you, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called, ah, listen to this, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Yeah, y'all want? can we dig into this verse for a moment? Good, because that's what I was going to do. Watch what it says. For a child will be born to us, but a son will be given to us. One's born, one's given. Don't overlook what Scripture is teaching us here. It's that when Jesus, and this is about Jesus, when Jesus comes, He is coming as a child who will be born. What does Scripture say? To a virgin Mary. Why do we need to know that? Because Jesus has to be fully man. Because otherwise, you would look at His life and go... He didn't know what I was going through. He, he didn't go through. He was God. He didn't sin because He was God. And yet Scripture says He was tempted in every way, but yet without sin. So we look at Him and we go, wait a minute. Jesus is fully man. That's why He's born of a virgin. Because He's, he's just like us. That's why it says the Word became flesh. I love the, uh, I think it is the message translation. It says, he put on an earth suit, <laughs> a flesh suit. He put on skin and he said, I'm going to be like you. So I will experience everything about life the way that you did. Can I tell you that when Jesus picked his favorite name, he said, I am the son of man. Because he wanted you to know if Jesus was looking at you right now, he would say, I was just like you. I'm just like you. I became a man. It was a child who was born. But look at this. There was a son who was given. Oh, that's the other side of him. You see, he was fully man. But don't forget, he was fully God. And because he was fully God, he's perfect in all of his ways. 
And so what do you have? He's the Son of Man. I'm pointing toward the earth. He's the Son of God. When we think of heaven, we always point up, don't we? But He is, he is uniting humanity with God. He's, he's bringing them together. That's why it says in Isaiah 7, 14, all you have to do is flip back one page if you got my Bible. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall bear a son and shall call His name, my favorite name, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Yes, yeah, so you thought the temple of the Tower of Babel was just a Bible story you, re you read your kids and it didn't mean anything. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me explain. You see, man thought that it could reach God if they united and they built the temple into the heavens. But God said, mm, that ain't how we're doing it. You see, you can't reach into the heavens and get me. What I'm going to do is reach down and get you. That's what Jesus did. He united heaven and earth. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. And guess what? He is in heaven, not just as Jesus, God's Son, but as a man. The first one. That's why he said, if you worried about Adam messing things up, don't worry. I'm the second Adam. And everything that Adam messed up, I'm going to make right. And when he ascended into heaven, he makes way for us to go to God. Ooh, that's good stuff, isn't it? Now let's keep going. The government will rest on his shoulders. In those days, keys were made out when Isaiah writing this, keys were made out of wood. They were huge. And you would carry them on your shoulder. And I've preached a message before that Jesus is the king and the king has the keys to the kingdom. And so when it says that the government rests on his shoulders, you can picture a king with the keys saying, I have the power, because keys let you into stuff. You remember that message? Keys give you access yeah, the person who holds the key holds everything behind the keys that are locked away. And so it says, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now in Scripture, a lot of times that Wonderful and Counselor are broken apart and then they're put back together. So I'm going to do that too. Wonderful. You ever go to make a text response to somebody and you don't know what to say? And so you say something like this, that's amazing. You ever do that? That's amazing. Or, or that's fantastic. Or, 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 or wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you know where I'm going, right? And you find that you do that on everything. And the question arose with me as I said, what's going to happen if I really do encounter something that's amazing? I have used my word up. What will I call it then? Yeah. We, we use this word amazing and we, we say it for everything. When this word wonderful is used, it means matchless. Mm, let that sink in for a minute. Matchless. It means nothing as wonderful. Nothing as wonderful. That he's, he's majestic and he's perfect. I taught a series just before this on holy, which is he is perfectly whole. Nothing is wrong with him. And so it says that, that he's wonderful, which means all the times you have put wow, wonderful, fantastic, amazing, 
Guess what? Jesus is looking at you and saying, you ain't seen nothing. You ain't seen nothing till you've seen me. And when you've seen me, then you'll know what wonderful looks like. Because he says, I'm wonderful and I'm a counselor. Now, it could be two images. It could be a man who stands beside a king and gives them advice. And that's good. Because when I talk to believers, when I talk to unbelievers, one of the things that everybody struggles with is figuring out what to do. <laughs> right? If they're doing the right thing. How to, how to find guidance and direction in life. And we're trying to figure that out. And so having someone that would stand beside us like an advisor would stand before the king, would be good. But it's better. Because this counselor is not the image of an advisor to the king. He is the king. It's more like a picture of Solomon. And think if you know this picture of Solomon, the greatest king in terms of wisdom and understanding and majesty there was none like Solomon people would come from all over the place and it says they would sit at his feet kings would come and sit at his feet because they're like we just want to hear you talk we just want to hear what you have to say but can I tell you that if Solomon was good Jesus is wonderful in terms of his counsel, there is none like him. Jesus is the one that is supposed to give you the full counsel of God. That you, when you need guidance in life, you don't look in the newspaper for the horoscope. Okay? That is not where you go. You also do not go, hear me well, to your unbelieving friends who do not know God. Okay? Please don't go to them for advice. Okay? Because I assure you, if you're going to go to them for advice, just do exactly what they tell you not to do. Just do the opposite of them. And you'll get it right more often than if you follow them. Okay? We're supposed to sit at the feet of Jesus like the kings sat at the feet of Solomon and say, Jesus, tell me the full counsel of God. Tell me what God thinks. Tell me what God says. Tell me how I'm supposed to live my life. Do you see why He has to be wonderful counselor? And if He is not wonderful counselor, well, that's why things are going the way they're going. That's, that's why it's been going the way it's been going. And it's going to continue to do that until you do like the kings, humble yourself and sit at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, He is mighty God. All power and control are in His name. Can I read you some verses? Here are some verses. Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says this, Therefore God has exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. It says in Scripture that Jesus is Above all powers and principalities. You know why? Because He is mighty God. The Scripture wants you to know that that little problem you're having, you know where Jesus is? Way above it. 
Yeah, that little situation that's going on in your life, and you say, don't make light of it, Kevin, it's not little. I would say to you, don't make more of it than you should because he's high above it. I would say, I didn't make the mistake. You may need to look and see if you made the mistake. That maybe you made your problem too big. And that you didn't see God as high and lifted up above it. And then if you see it that way, then these amazing things happen. Jesus gave His disciples the opportunity to go out and do miracles in His name. Do you remember what they said when they came back? They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in Your name. They, they came back and they're like, if they didn't believe that the name of Jesus was powerful before they went out, they did when they came back. Because they said, Lord, just like a little kid, you can imagine, you're like, you ain't going to believe what happened. <laughs> like, like we started speaking your name over sick people and they got better. Hallelujah. We started speaking your names over problems and they left. Can you imagine coming up to Jesus going, Lord, there's something about your name. <laughs> there's just something about your name. That's why you can't say it flippantly. Because you got to realize that it comes with power. But it doesn't just come to anybody. Not just anybody can name the name of Jesus. Not just anybody has access to the power of Jesus. It is those who are in a relationship with Him. It's not for everybody. But it is a free gift to you. Can I have to say this? <laughs> and if all you ever do is use the name of Jesus on your own individual life, maybe you ought to consider using it to help someone else. <laughs> Maybe you haven't seen the full weight and measure of what God can do because all you ever think about is you. <laughs> and God says, honestly, Kevin, I'm bored with you. <laughs> I need more to do. <laughs> I'm bored with you. We should be done, Kevin. Honestly, we should, be, we should be done with you and we should be moving on to other people. It's one of the hardest things to teach a believer. Is once they start seeing God move in their life, they'll get stuck on themselves. Ooh, I'd have stopped preaching going to meddling. <laughs> and I did it on Christmas morning. <laughs> but we become so selfish. And I think we become stagnant. And it's because we're supposed to be like those disciples. Well, when we run around and we see people who have problems, we run up to them and say, guess what? I got a name. <laughs> His name is Jesus. And he cares about you and he loves you. And if there's a problem in his life, he has got an answer for you. He is the full counsel of God. What is your problem? Let's sit down and ask God how we're going to deal with this thing. Oh, yeah, by the way, let me add this to it. There are times when you pray and you say, God, I don't know what to do. I need to know what to do. And God says, okay. And he drops a word in from his scripture. The Holy Spirit gives you something. You're like, yes, that's what I need. But then there are times that you pray. Right. 
And it's about that awkward, isn't it? You're like, I ain't hear anything. You're like, okay, God, word says you, you hear my prayer, so I, I know you heard me, but, but I ain't hear an answer. So what do you do when you pray? And God doesn't give you an answer. He doesn't, he doesn't automatically give you a word, or the Holy Spirit doesn't automatically say something. Could I suggest to you that when the Holy Spirit does not speak a word, He wants to grab you by the hand and say, this time I can't tell you, i got to show you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> huh? That's what you call exulting. In Scripture, when it says David exalted, he did just like that. Yeah. There are times you didn't hear anything and you got mad at God and you said, God, you didn't tell me anything. And he said, child, this one's this one's tricky. And, and I needed to take you by the hand this time. And I needed to to show you some things. In fact, I needed to go before you and, and make a way. There wasn't anything for you to do. If there was something for you to do, I would have told you. But yeah, that's good. But the reason I didn't tell you it's because there wasn't anything for you to do. It was that moment where I needed you to be still and know that I'm God. What kind of God? I'm mighty God. Yeah. He says, I'm the eternal Father. Oh, now check this out, okay? When he says that I am the eternal Father, there are still people who see God as mighty, but they don't see Him as Father. That's a problem. If you see God as somewhere up there, as high and exalted, but you don't see Him as Father, you miss the point of Jesus coming. You see, when it says that He is eternal Father, it, it, Jesus, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? But Jesus said, when you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. I say what the Father tells me to say. I do what the Father tells me to do. So if you want to know what the Father looks like, Jesus said, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to be the exact representation of the Father to you. I heard this from Tony Evans, and I've held on to it, and I can use it today. Here's what he said. Notice a person who only sees God as high and lifted up as God. And you may be encountering a person who doesn't know Jesus. Because the person who knows Jesus also knows God as my loving Father. If there's anybody in the room today that your outlook on God has been this person, this thing, this deity, this light, whatever, baby, way up somewhere then I would say, if you will get to know Jesus, He will teach you what it is to have God as Father. And that's why Jesus is so important. But then it's not only about God being Father. Jesus is the only begotten Son, right? But did you know that God was not content to just have Jesus? He wasn't content to just have Jesus. He wanted some more sons and daughters. <laughs> he, he wants you. He wants to call you a son and you a daughter. 
That's why it says, those who believe, we read it up here, those who received Him, He gave them the right to be called children of God. Now, now don't mistake that, because later on it says in Romans chapter 8, I believe it says, that we have been adopted. And that because of that, it says we can cry out, Daddy, Abba, Abba Father, Daddy. If you can't call Him Daddy, we got work to do. We got work to do. Can I? And she raised her hand. So you raise your hand. I'm gonna call you out. <laughs> Just like school, kid. If you raise your hand, the teacher call on you. Kim raised her hand. The single greatest transformation I have seen in Kim's life started with an understanding that God was Father. Am I lying, Kim? <laughs> It was a transformation like I have never seen. Like she, I'm like, who is this person? Which came at this amazing time, which here's our tree of those who we remember that are not here with us. Kim lost her mom and her dad within seven days of each other. Seven days, she lost them both. And in the midst of that, Scripture is true, where your mother and father leave you off, and in this case, they couldn't go any farther. God looked at Kim and he says, I need to introduce myself as your father. I've been it all along, but you need me more than ever now. And when she received, see, he always wanted to be father. He wants to be your father. Do you get that? If any of you are sitting there going, I don't know if he'll have me or not. Yes, he wants you. That's why Jesus paid such a, a high price for you. The only thing left in question is this, is if you'll receive him as father. If you keep him at a distance, He'll let you do that. But he says, I'm father, and I want to, to bring in sons and daughters that will come in to me. And then that last one, the Prince of Peace. Oh. Have any of you ever been laying asleep at, and trying to go to sleep, actually, and you can't do it because your mind's racing? And you're sitting there thinking, if I could just find some peace. If I could just get peace, I'd, I'd go to sleep. Notice that Prince of Peace is the last one in the order. It's the last one. And I think that's for a reason. Because if you have not gone to God through Jesus and consulted Him as your counselor. Oh, I'm saying something now. If you have not gone to Him as your counselor to get advice... And if you have not seen Him as mighty God, but instead you have seen mighty problems. And if you have not seen Him as a loving Father who cares for you, well, Lord knows, I know why you don't have peace. I know why you don't have peace. Because your mind has been on everything else but Him. And Scripture in Isaiah says this, He will keep those in perfect peace whose mind stayed on Him. Yeah. You see that? I believe Prince of Peace is at the end because Isaiah is trying to tell us this thing is a progression. Now there are times where God just drops peace on you. Some of y'all probably, you're like, Woo, I don't know what I did to deserve it, but I'm thankful for it, and I want to walk in it. But can I tell you that'll make you a lazy Christian? Can I tell you that that'll make you lazy? If 
the work hasn't been done on the front end to know God as counselor, as mighty God, as father. So that then you look at the problems in your life and you go, you know what? God is in control. He is the prince of peace. And I will rest in him. Oh, how many times we think, if I just ask for the right stuff at Christmas, or if I just buy and work hard and get this stuff, that my life will have peace and I'll be in good shape. If I can, if I can just get a few more things in order, then I'll have peace. I know it's Christmas, but I need to just break that one off of you, okay? It's not going to happen. You're not going to get enough stuff in order to have peace. Because peace doesn't find itself in those places. Do you know where peace comes from? From the Prince of Peace, who takes up residence inside your heart. Which is when you find people who have the greatest peace in the world, a lot of times you look at their life and all hell is breaking loose around them. Like things are not going their way. So if you have the mindset, if I can just get everything to go my way, if I can just control everything, then I'll have peace. I'll tell you, nah, something will come and steal it. Something will come and take your peace and it'll take your joy. But I'll tell you that if you have peace that resides on the inside, then when that stuff comes, you'll at least have a choice. Because here's the thing. Do you know that the devil cannot take your peace? He cannot take your joy. He can only create situations that let you surrender it, to give it up, to change your mind, to change your focus. He's not that powerful, y'all. The devil is not that powerful. Jesus, name above every name. Every name. You see, Satan knows that better than we do. And he says, if they see him as the name above every name, then they'll always be at peace and they'll always have joy. But if I can just find a way in to make their problems bigger, their circumstances bigger, and they can get their eye off of Jesus, you know what happens? They surrender. They give it away. The very good and pleasing gifts of God. So I just say this. If the devil came in and stole something from you, you can have it back. You can have it back. You may not be able to get your car back, your wife back, your house back, like playing a country song backwards or whatever. So here's, here's my question to me as we close this service today. There is a name, and that name is Jesus. He is the Son of God. And if you are walking through life with only a vague notion of who He is, just a a vague notion of who He is, can I tell you that this year Jesus says, I'd like for you to come to me. What is it, Jeremiah 33? It says, call on me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty. Can I I invite you to know this man, Jesus, in all of his ways?